I want to tell you something that I've already said to you. Now, I will say things many times that I've already said to you. Because the Bible says things many times that it's already said to me and to you. Do you understand how often there's repetition in the Bible? It says things the same way and in different ways, but the same message over and over and over and over and over. And I love it because my head's kind of hard. And I want the repetition to help me get it into my brain and into my heart and into my spirit. So what I'm going to say to you today is that relationships are the most important things in the world. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, because we have all sorts of things that we call important or valued. Now, many and most of them are valued, yes. I trust that you have all sorts of things that are precious to you. But I am telling you that in the whole list of things in my life and in your life, relationships are the most important top of the list. And if you've not ever realized that or if you're not thinking about that or right now, if you're even disagreeing with me, by the way, it's okay to disagree with me, but I want you to think about it. I want you to consider the fact that here's the message God created relationships. It's not one of human creation. It's not something somebody just dreamed up and said, boy, it'd be nice to relate well to our spouses, to our families, to our friends, to our church family. No, God created it, and I'm going to go to the book of Genesis, and we're going to put these scriptures on the screen today because I'm going to talk to you about them. And Carlos read them so well just a few minutes ago. Thank you, Carlos. And we're going to look at the fact that at the very dawn of creation, God created relationships. And so we're talking about a God creation here, not a man creation. Because in Genesis, the second chapter, it says, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then he created all the animals and all the birds in the, of the field. And he looked around and he said, but wait, there's not anything for the man. And then this beautiful picture of God creating woman. And now he had a man and a woman to relate, to love, to procreate, to build a family and then from that family came a tribe, and from that tribe came a nation, and from that nation came many nations, and you and I are here because God created relationships. And so as we talk about that today, please understand that this is a God thing, not a human thing. Now, I'm going to go through some things about a relationship that I feel are very important for King's Grant Baptist Church. So this is not just a philosophical uh, teaching or sermon or statements to you. These are things that I think are very applicable and very important for you and I to live by and to consider because we are involved in relationships and we are a family. And I love that term. 
because that's what God started at the very dawn of creation. He started families, and now here at King's Grant Baptist Church, you and I are a family. God, Jesus Christ, is the head of our family. Not Pastor Don, not Pastor Scott, not the deacons, not... No, it is... This family is headed by the Lord himself. We are just servants in the midst of it. But I trust that as you've asked me for these months to be your pastor, Scott, for now over 15 years, the staff, I am absolutely trusting and believing that with God's help, we are going to lead out in being a good family. So please be a part of this family. Be a participant in this family. Do not be a spectator. We want you. I wanted Marvin to come up to me today. I've told you, and I will tell you again, if you ever think, well, I really would like to talk to the pastor, but I don't want to bother him. Oh, I hate that. Do you hear me? The only way you can bother me is if you want to talk to me and you don't. That bothers me. And I want you to take that one to the bank, please. Because I am privileged to be a part of this family, a leader in this family. And I want to serve the Lord and I want to serve you. So relationships go all the way back to the dawn of creation. God created relationships. Now we're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes. I want you to look at this. And you understand, if you know anything about Ecclesiastes, that the writer of Ecclesiastes was, to say the very least, a a pessimist. He was just kind of disillusioned. He just kept saying, oh, all is meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. So sometimes I have trouble reading Ecclesiastes. But this passage that we're going to look at here for just a moment is certainly not a pessimistic passage. It is a hopeful passage. It is a demonstrative passage. It is a passage that you and I need to learn from. Because as you look at it, and I'm just going to kind of go through it with you and talk to you a little bit about it. It starts off by declaring a relationship. Two are better than one. Now, I'm going to stop right there, which is sort of my tendency every now and then. I do not believe in oneness. Now, I believe in oneness in a married couple. I believe in oneness in a family. But I don't believe in, now I'm going to change the word oneness to independence. I do not believe in independence. In fact, I will tell you, that I do not see the concept of independence anywhere in Scripture. Now, if you find some place where it talks about being independent, that means just being one, being selfish, being singular. In fact, the world has a term for it. It's called humanism. Are you familiar with that term? Humanism is actually a religion. It is a concept of philosophy that many, many, many people live by, and they say, you don't need anybody else. You don't need 
the Lord. You don't need a family. You don't need a church. You don't need anybody else. You are sufficient in and of yourself. I'm sorry, but that's Satan's message. Now I'm going to tell you a story. It happened right here in this building. It happened down the long hallway from the office area back to the fellowship hall. There was a room back there that Mickey and I were in a Sunday school class. Now, I was not teaching the Sunday school class, but this was in probably 1978, 79, because we had just come here to consider being members of King's Grand Baptist Church. We were in a Sunday school class. There were about, I'm estimating that there were 30, maybe 40 people in the room. And they had spent about 15 minutes with the teacher's guidance. I don't even remember, and I would not call the person's name even if I remembered who was teaching the class. But they had spent about 15 or 20 minutes celebrating and honoring and talking about the value and even the godly value of independence. Now, I was sitting there in my thoughts, and I am kind of set in my ways sometimes in my thoughts, and I was desperately uncomfortable because even back then, that was, what, 40-plus years ago, I did not believe in independence. And I finally could not take it anymore I don't even think some of these people in the room knew me. We were new in the church. But I stood up, and I made one very bold and declarative statement. I said, folks, I need to tell you that as I see it and as I see God's way and God's scriptures, independence is a satanic term. And just like right now, the crowd was hushed. And I mean, I meant what I said 40 plus years ago, and I mean what I'm saying today. Now, we are, and we're going to talk, and relationships under God's creation and guidance are to be interdependent, interrelated by all means we are a family but right here in this scripture it says two are better than one two are better than you being independent out there all by yourself let me ask you the question do you want to be out there all by yourself I don't I don't and I'm thankful for the Lord and my wife and my family and my friends and I'm thankful for the family of King's Rent Baptist Church. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor, for the work that they do for the Lord. If either of them falls down, now do any of you fall down? Absolutely. Everybody struggles. Listen to me. Me, you, everybody. So it says if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them down, help them up. It reminds me of the terrible commercial where the poor dear lady 
is laying on the floor and she says, help, I can't get up. Breaks my heart every time I see that. I want to go into the TV and help her up. But when we're in a relationship, when we're in a family, when we're in a church family, when you fall down, when you struggle, and you do, and you will, what do they say? If you are just now coming out of a crisis, or maybe you're not in a crisis, but hang on, you're about to go into a crisis, because we all struggle. So when you have relationships, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now, why is, why is that stuck in there? Well, it occurs to me that this world in which we live is a cold, cruel world. Yes, yes, amen. This is a bad place sometimes. Now, I am so sorry about that because I love life and I want you to love life. And with the Lord, we can love life because we're in relationships. But here it's saying that if you're cold with and in a relationship and a family, you can be kept warm. In other words, your spirit, your being, your mind can be comforted. Even as we prayed with and for Marvin and his brother Gary this morning, that's a part of it. So the verse goes on and it says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Can defend themselves. Now, listen carefully to me for a moment. I don't know how many of you have ever had to be defended. But I have. I've had to be defended by people in my family, in my relationship. I've told you about, a little bit about, I had a ministry down in the beachfront back in the 80s, and we had a lot of difficult threats. I mean, many. We worked with a very difficult population in the beachfront back in those days, and I loved it <laughs> because it was the Lord's work. But in the process... There were threats. There were things I told you that I had my life threatened two different times. Two different periods, two different guys that were ahead of the drug culture in the beachfront area back in the 80s. Now, one of those times, there was a fellow by the name of Bulldog. Now, that's the only name we knew him by. Bulldog was a ex-con. He had been in prison. Bulldog was about five foot six, and I doubt if there was an ounce of fat on him. He was just one ball of muscles, had tattoos all of his arm, all over his chest. But one time when I was threatened by one of these guys, Bulldog heard the threat, and he walked right up beside me because we'd been ministering to Bulldog and his family, a bunch of transient homeless people that we loved and fed, and, and they were friends. And Bulldog walked up beside me, and he said, Don, I will walk every step with you. Now, I trusted the Lord, and the Lord protected us many times. But I trusted Bulldog, too.
<laughs> and he was able to defend me. So the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Now, I hope you are never threatened in a physical, intimidating, harsh kind of way like that. But still, in the struggles of life, and I know, listen carefully, I know you're going to be attacked by Satan. And that's part of what the church family is supposed to be about and is to be about and will be about. Because Satan does not want King's Grant to, to grow. Satan does not want you to be at peace. Satan does not want you to witness. Satan does not want you to have a good family at your home. Satan does not want a lot of things that God wants. And so the fact is, is that as Satan attacks in this family, as we relate together in a proper relationship, then we can defend each other. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, indeed. Then a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, that's a, a great wedding ceremony statement. You've probably heard it many times. I've used it many times. But that's applicable to you and me in this family. Because when we stand together with the third cord, what's the third cord? Absolutely. Almighty God. He is our Heavenly Father. He is our protector. He gives us freedom and peace through Jesus Christ. And He puts the Holy Spirit into your life and into my life because we have Jesus Christ in our lives. And that is the third cord here in this picture in relationships as a family. Now, how do we get to this family? How do we build this family? How do we sustain this family? Jesus Christ said to the Pharisee, there is one great commandment, and it is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. Now, love is all through the Scripture, and we're going to look at what's called the love chapter for a minute. And that's 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I hope that you know this passage, but Paul is writing this passage, and he's talking about you can have all sorts of things. You can have power. You can have prophecy. You can be a teacher. You can be way up the list in God's servant. But if you have not love, you have what? Nothing. Nothing. Now, that is either true or we don't need to be here this morning. It is true. If we do not have love for the Heavenly Father, for God, for Jesus Christ, and then if we do not have love for ourselves through God's grace, and then if we do not have love for each other as our brothers and sisters, then we have nothing. Now, what I want to do with this passage of Scripture for just a moment, and this is a little different because I'm going to not talk a lot right now, but I, this passage has several declarative statements about love. And I want them to sink into my head and into your head. Now, what is a declarative statement? It is making a declaration of something that is fact. 
That's what these statements are. Now, also, it is declaring what you and I need to pursue. Now, this may seem like perfection to you because it's talking about all sorts of very powerful concepts of love. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read them one at a time. And then I'm going to be silent for just a few seconds. As I'm silent, I want you to think about the declarative statement and apply it to yourself. And between you and the Lord, you decide if you're patient and kind and not envious and all of those things. So I want you to listen as I read the statement, as I say the statement, and then just meditate for a few seconds in a personal application process for yourself. Love is patient. Are you? Love is kind. Love does not envy. Mm. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now, please remember, these are declarations from God's Word about how we are to be involved in relationships and family. Now, again, I will say it sounds like perfection, and there's not a perfect person sitting in the room. 
But all of us are supernatural. Yes, we are natural. We are sinners. But yes, because of Jesus Christ in your life, therefore the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine, we are supernatural. And so the striving for the goals of these declarations is absolutely necessary. Necessary, not optional. For relationships. For your family and your home. For you and your friendships. For future families that are not in a family right now. Not associated with somebody. But very much necessary for a church family. And I am praying even as I speak. And I'm looking forward to the family of Kings Grant Baptist Church living up to this godly love. Now, where does all this relationship lead us? We're going to go to that familiar passage that I preached to you several weeks ago in the book of Acts. Acts, the second chapter, verses 42 through 47. If you don't, if you've not studied that passage of Scripture, please look at it because this took place right after the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is when Peter preached and 3,000 people were saved. And now these 3,000 people were in a relationship, they were in a church relationship. They didn't, many of them didn't know the first thing about relationships much less a church relationship because this and this passage of scripture indicates the very birth of the church 2,000 years ago at the day of Pentecost. And in this relationship, this is what these people did. And I want to I apply it and I want us to continue to apply it to the family of Kings Grant Baptist Church. Because it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What were those men teaching? They were teaching Jesus Christ. They were not doing Bible studies because they didn't have any Bibles. Probably 90% of them couldn't even read. So the apostles were teaching the reality and the personhood and the power of Jesus Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Another word for fellowship is relationships. They were bound together in unity and in love and all this that we've been talking about this morning. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, the breaking of bread is mentioned a little bit later in this passage of Scripture. But these are two different types of breaking of bread. They were devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What we did earlier in remembering Jesus Christ and breaking of his bread, of his body, this is what they did, the, the new church the, back in, in the day of Pentecost. They had the Lord's Supper all the time. They would meet and remember Jesus Christ 
and they would have the bread broken and the cup passed. And that's what this means. And to prayer, oh my goodness, that's our, that's our avenue to the Lord is to prayer. Everyone, and this is such a beautiful statement, because the whole place was filled with the Spirit of God in relationship and in church family and in church life. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, they had leaders. There were these 12 guys. They were called apostles. Uh, Judas was gone, but they had replaced him with Matthias. And they had 12 apostles. Peter and James and John and all the rest of the guys. And these were men like you and I are human beings, but they were filled with the power of God because of the relationship and the church life in which they lived. And it says right there, everyone was filled with awe, with the magnificence of the power of God at the many wonders and signs performed by their leaders do you understand that when the, the church, when the family is involved in all of this that we're talking about, then the power of God is evident, is all around us. And that's what we're already having. Yes, we're already having it. And I love the fact we've had it over Christmas. Belinda will probably get mad at me, but the Christmas music on that Sunday night was just magnificent. And if you weren't there, I'm so sorry. You missed the power and the spirit that is to be in this place. And we, we have it right now because God is, is speaking to me and to you. Not just me speaking to you, but he's speaking to all of us. And so when... We are involved in relationships and in church life. We can be in awe of the many wonders and signs performed. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. No, you don't have to go sell your new car today. <laughs> no, but we'll talk more about that. We are to share. We are to give. We are to sacrifice. We are to just give out of the abundance of what God has given to us. But then, every day, now pay attention to this. I'm so thankful we have Sunday. But every day, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. <laughs> Do you realize this family was together all the time? They broke bread in their homes. Now, here's this breaking of bread again. But it's different than the communion. This is they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I want to ask you a question. How long has it been since you invited several people from King's Grant Baptist Church to your home to sit down and have a meal and to just fellowship around your table? Now, you don't have to answer me. I'm not checking on you. But I'm going to tell you something. I told you a moment ago that Mickey and I are planning on having an apartment somewhere right here in this area. I'm going to be here Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and Monday night. 
I'll be back in Franklin on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Yeah, back and forth, back and forth, but I love it. She doesn't know what I'm about to say, by the way, which is not unusual, by the way. <laughs> but when we move into this community, at least once a month, we're going to invite six or eight of you to our little apartment, wherever it might be, and sit around the little table that I just bought at the thrift store yesterday. And we're going to sit and we're going to eat together and we're going to fellowship and we're going to eat together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Once a month, at least, maybe more. Now you can hold me to that. Please don't be offended if we don't invite you right away, okay? <laughs> but that's part of the family. That's part of fellowship. That's part of relationships. And I'm asking you to think about that. And if you're not in the pattern of inviting some of your brothers and sisters from this group, from this family, to your home to eat together and to praise God and to have good fellowship and to laugh and to tell stories and even to pick on each other and tease each other like I do all the time and like some of you do for me, which is part of the family. But it says that they did it with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of who? Or maybe it's of whom? <laughs> all the people. Not just the ones in their church family. But the community knew. Why? Because these people were excited. They were loving each other. They were fellowshipping. They were in relationships. And they were enjoying the favor of all the people in Jerusalem. Isn't that an exciting picture? Yes. And it goes on to say, And the Lord added to their number daily. Daily. Those who were being saved. And in my Bible, I wrote out after I read that a long time ago, is it any wonder? Because this was a church that was in family relationships under the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder that daily those that were being saved were added to the number. And if you go and read in the book of Acts, it says that. Those 3,000 became 5,000, became a multitude, became, again, in relationships and in church family. Now, one final word, and I will conclude. These are my objectives that I have from Almighty God for King's Grand Baptist Church. You've allowed me, asked me, honored me to be the shepherd of this group. And for that, I am so deeply thankful to the Lord and to this church. It thrills me. And under God's guidance what we're talking about, relationships, family, unity, love, peace, togetherness, God's power, God's work, 
adding people to this fellowship, reaching people that do not know Jesus Christ, building each other up, you, me, all of us growing. That is what God wants. So as I sit here before you today, I promise you that that is what I want. It is God's plan. Let's pray. Father, this is your message. This is your plan. This is your way. We commit ourselves to it. You have loved us with a love that is more than we can ever describe. You have given to us gifts that are more than can be counted. You have put before us a, a responsibility, a ministry of reconciliation a ministry of peacefulness, a ministry of relationship, a ministry of freedom for your people. And to give this freedom and forgiveness and reconciliation, to show this to many, many, many others that are not sitting in this room right now. So we pray and we commit and we will be obedient. I will be obedient to your plan. And we thank you because since it is your way and it is your plan, then we know that your spirit will be here and there will be blessings. There will be joy and peace. And we will be the people, the church that you want us to be. And we thank you for that. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.